Well, we are continuing our series called Doing the Stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those things where we have the opportunity to get a glance at what Jesus actually did. You know, it's, it's a pretty amazing um, thing that we get to look at the activity of the Son of God and see what he actually did. And, uh, and so, you know, I don't know, when you, when you think about doing the stuff that Jesus did, then, then there could be a lot, of, a lot of things that come to mind. Because Jesus did a lot of stuff, right? There could be a lot of different things that come to mind. I, I, I want to suggest, first and foremost, what doing the stuff that Jesus did might not be. So uh, why don't you take a look at the screen real quick? So the good news is you don't have to walk on water to do the stuff that Jesus did um, or run on water like a like sewing machine um, either. So that's good news. What, you know, there's, there's lots of things though that, that Jesus modeled for us. And there's, when we talk about doing the stuff that Jesus did, there's many things that we're talking about. But the, the, the particular part of scripture that we've been dealing with right now is specifically been talking a lot about healing. And that's certainly something that Jesus did quite often. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I, when I hear and I think about healing, there can be a certain caricature that kind of pops into my brain. Uh, healing is one of those things that I think we all probably have some pretty strong opinions and views on. It's, it's one of those things from, from God's word that when we talk about it, it brings up a lot of different emotions. Um, it, it can, you know, I think, I think the enemy has even used it from time to time, twisted it and made it a, a divisive issue. But I think we kind of all would probably know kind of the caricature of that person when we think of healing. Um, I, see, if, see if this kind of image comes to mind for you. So I don't know if, uh, I don't know if you've met that guy. Um, you've probably seen that guy on TV uh, for sure. And I think a lot of times when, when we think of healing, that's what we think of. We think, oh, that's, you know, I don't know. I don't know about all that. Because I think somewhere along the way, we got off track. So somewhere along the way, we began to add our own stuff to what doing the stuff was all about. And that's where you ended up with these guys coming out who realized, you know what? I could actually be pretty profitable to get into this healing business. And you, I mean, could, could we not just go down the line of the scandals and the, you know, all the junk that we've heard in the media about the pastors that were embezzling money and doing this and doing that? I'm going to tell you something right now, uh, and I think if you've been around here long enough, you know this. Um, we're never going to promise you that God's going to do something for you as far as healing you or doing this or that 
And we're also never going to say, if you just sow that $500 seed, if you just sow that seed, then God's going to bless you. I've literally been watching TV late at night at times, and I ran across, this has been years ago, I literally ran across a guy on TV, a, you, know, I, this, you know, this wasn't on YouTube, this was on TV, you know, anybody could flip through and see it, who literally said there's somebody out there whose son or daughter is on drugs, and if you'll just call in and put in that $1,000, God's going to deliver your son from drugs. How many of you know if you're a mom or a dad and you knew $1,000 would deliver your son or daughter from drugs, that check would be written in half a second. And so, honestly, when we think of healing and we think of praying for people and we think of this or that, these guys have kind of given this a bad rap, right? It kind of has put a bad taste in our mouth. And certainly for those uh, that, that are not Christ followers, it certainly has put a bad taste in their mouths. And the truth of the matter is, there's many people who are not in church today because of those very things. So we're treading on some very interesting ground this morning. But I think much like, much like a lot of the things that we talk about at Renovation, and I think this is part of the reason why we felt God leading us to call this church Renovation, was because we sensed and felt that it was part of our calling to help people take things that maybe they've commonly heard about in church or in church circles, like healing, and get back to looking at what Jesus actually did and not adding to that and not taking away from that. Because I think we exist in two different extremes on things like healing. We either, you know, there, there's, the, there's the extreme of God wants to heal everyone and if you don't get healed, then it's some sort of failure on somebody's part. That's called spiritual abuse, <laughs> in case you were wondering. Then there's the extreme on this end that goes, God doesn't heal. It was for a certain time, that, that specific place and time, and it's not for today. Now, what I think is, I think Scripture shows us Jesus doing the stuff somewhere in the middle of those two extremes. I think, and, and we believe at Renovation, that healing is a valid living and breathing thing. We believe that God wants to heal people in real time, right here, right now, in, in, in this world, in today's world. We, we believe that. We don't see anywhere in Scripture where it goes, and, and now Jesus, you know, after, after he was crucified and rose again, he told everyone, you know, the, the party's over now because I'm leaving and so I'm going to go and all the good stuff's leaving with me and just figure it out till I come back. No. We see him saying, go out. Heal the sick. Deliver those under demon possession and oppression. You know, feed the hungry. Serve the poor preach the gospel. And then in Acts chapter 2, he sends his Holy Spirit to fill us so that we can actually go out and have the power through him to do that. So we believe it's valid and we believe it happens and we believe that we need to ask for it. 
But we believe that when you look at what Jesus did, it's kind of radically different than maybe what our image of healing perhaps has always been about. So if, if you've got um, your hand out and you're a note taker, then feel free to, to bring it out. I'm going to give you some blanks, uh, fill in some blanks along the way. And here's the big idea. I'm going to give you the last chapter of the book before we start reading it this morning. This is kind of the end game. This is where we're going to land, okay? And the big idea is this. Present healings always point to the primary healing. Present healings always point to the primary healing. Now, now let, me, let me help you understand what, that, what that's kind of saying. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there will be a day when you either quit breathing on this, in, in this life or there'll be a day when Jesus comes back. One of the two is going to happen, okay? And when that day comes, you will be taken to a place where there is no suffering, no sickness, no sin, wrongdoing, selfishness, disease. And so that is the, that is the primary and the ultimate healing that Jesus died for. And so every present healing that we have should always point to that primary healing. It should always point to Jesus. The issue that we've had in, the, in, in Christianity with healing is that there's been so many guys and, and, and ladies out there that have done this healing stuff. And I don't know, maybe they started out in sincerity. Maybe it started out as something that they really wanted to do for the glory of God. And somewhere along the way, they just got off track. But before it was all said and done, there's been a lot of folks out there that have said, we're going to do healing. And, and they want it, they never, it's subtle, but they want it to point back to them. Jokingly in that movie, there's another clip that says, uh, another soul saved by Jimmy Wayne Farnsworth. It's all about the individual. It's all about the, the person doing the activity that you see in front of you. And here's the problem. That lady or guy is just a human. And when all your faith is based in that person, eventually that person's going to let you down. Let, let me help you understand. Karen and George and I, we come up here and we, we speak to you. Um, if, we, if one of us haven't already in the last eight months of this church, I'm going to make you a promise right now. We will eventually mess up or disappoint you. I mean, it's because we can't fulfill all of the things in your life. That's why we're here going, we're deflecting it, going, it's him, it's him. Our light, we just want to keep shining it on him. He can, he can fulfill all those deep desires and, and all those, those deep longings that you have in your heart. So we want to just keep pushing the attention to him. Now the text that we're going to look at is uh, Matthew chapter 5, verses eight, uh, uh, chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. And if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible that you uh, 
can understand and read well and all. We've got uh, NIV Bibles up here. Please feel free to take one. And it'll also be up on the screen. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Now, now there's a couple things I want you to notice and George has, has kind of mentioned these over the last couple of weeks as we've, as we've begun this series. But there's a couple things that Jesus does in these, in these scriptures, in these verses that begin to give us a little bit of a clue as to how we can begin to do the stuff as it pertains to healing um, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. The first thing is it says that he touched her hand and the fever left her. So simply the touch of Jesus healed this woman. So that would give us the indication that the power of touch is an important element in ministering to someone for healing. The second thing is that it says he drove out the spirits with a word and healed the sick. So his word, the, simply the word of Jesus healed the sick and drove out the demons. So what you see happen there is you've got physical healing, but you've also got spiritual healing that's going on as well. You've got people that are literally in bondage, even to the point of demon possession, and he speaks and they're gone. That's pretty powerful. It's pretty powerful stuff. So that would give us the indication that the spoken word is an important ingredient and element to ministering to someone for healing. Okay? Now, I know that dropping this sort of thing into the room without acknowledging some of the pushback and some of the questioning and some of the, I don't know about all that, is probably detrimental. And so I'm just going to be really honest with, with you guys today. Um, I don't typically get nervous when it comes to being in front of people. I, I mean, I've been doing stuff in front of people since I was old enough to remember being alive. So it's not really a big deal to do that. But I was so incredibly nervous this morning about coming up here and sharing this simply because I feel so far from being any kind of authority or expert on this particular subject. I certainly have prayed for people to be healed. I've never seen an instantaneous, in-the-moment healing. Um, I do believe that sometimes you're praying for someone and you might not know that they were healed. It might be something that happens when they get home or in the week or the next time they go to the doctor or, you know, you, you don't realize necessarily that it happened. But I know that I have heard accounts and George has even shared some pretty amazing things uh, specifically that he experienced in Nepal. Um, if you weren't here for when he shared that, I'm sure he'd be willing to share that with you. Um, pretty amazing stuff. I've never really been in on that. Um, I've been around it. I've seen it, but I've never been in, in on that specific thing. So I feel a little bit, uh, a little bit uh, nervous about being able to share this. 
But what I hope that you'll understand is that I believe all this. I believe all this. Now, I believe there are certain people that have gifts of healing. I believe that, that, that that's a spiritual gift. But I also believe that it's still something that all of us can participate in. Okay? I think there are certain people that God drops a gift in them that they literally are able to pray for healing and, and just some amazing, wonderful things happen. But I don't think it's an elite club that you can only get into if you specifically have that gift very strongly in your life. I believe, because, because here's why. It's not contingent on the person. It's contingent on the power of God. And so if God decides he's going to use you to pray for someone to be healed, then guess what? Your ability or inability is not going to stop that. However, your availability could potentially get in the way if you're unwilling to be used. I do believe eventually God's going to find someone to use. But why, wouldn't you want it to be you? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be amazing? But I, I wrestle with this. I really do. I, I can tell you that when I think of healing... The first thing that pops to my mind after Chevy Chase is typically my aunt. Uh, from the time I was about in the fourth grade to ninth grade, my aunt battled mightily with, with liver cancer. And she actually lived a lot longer than she, than she even should have. Um, but I remember in, in a fourth, fifth, sixth grade way, you know, because it was several years, in whatever way I could understand, I just prayed and begged and pleaded with God to heal her. Um, I just knew, you know, I had cousins that were in high school and that, you know, I just, it, it broke my heart to think that she would be gone. Um, personally for me, but, but even more for my cousins because I just couldn't imagine losing my mom in that way at that age. And so I could really feel sort of what they were feeling. And I remember begging God, please, God, just, just take this away. You know, just please take this away. And I can remember in ninth grade, we were over at their house. And we, we went over there a lot, you know, during that time that she was sick. So that wasn't unusual. Um, and I was a kid, so I usually go out in the yard and play basketball because I thought I was going to play for Duke one day. Um, that didn't work out. But... Um, I remember dad coming out this, I can see, I mean, you know, those things in your life, you can just see, you can see it all, the colors and everything. I mean, you can see everything. I can see my dad opening the sliding glass door and holding my baby sister. I've never seen my dad cry. Not that dad said, we're men, we don't cry. He just, it just wasn't something, he just didn't cry a lot. I'd never seen him cry. And he was weeping. It's my, it was my dad's sister. And he was weeping. And he called me over and held me and said, she's gone. Now, I remember the feeling. I, I mean, I can, you know that, you know, you can feel that in your stomach. I'm 30 years old. That was, you know, I was what, 13 or 14. I can still feel that feeling in my stomach when I'm telling that story. So that, it's that real. And I remember in a 14-year-old in a way, the best way I knew how, I, I, don't, I didn't know how to express what I was feeling. I literally went back into the backyard and climbed that pole up to the rim of the basketball goal, and I ripped the entire backboard off of the pole. 
I was that, I don't know if it was anger. I don't, I don't know what it was. It was a, just a, a mess of emotion. And that was the only way I knew how to express that. I really wrestled with what happened that day. You know, I, I, I didn't understand. So for a season there, it was like, you know what? God just doesn't heal. I mean, it's not, you know, I, I didn't quit believing in God. I mean, I didn't, you know, but I had to, I had to line up what I experienced with my beliefs. And the only way I knew how to do that was to go, he just doesn't heal now. That was for then and it's not for now because certainly he would have, he would have done that because I asked him to. But then I can think of situations as recently as last weekend when I was in Dallas for the Alpha Conference where the, the man got up. And here's one of the things I love about Alpha. You know, if you ever go to any of these conferences, there's just no hype. I mean, it's not like, it's not like that. I mean, it's not, you know, this, oh, this emotion and all this and that. It's literally this sort of, sort of stiff British guy, you know, going, come Holy Spirit. And then they just sort of wait and, you know, band might play a little while. But it's, I mean, it's not like this big emotional workup. It's just trusting the Holy Spirit to, to come. And so during that time, one of the, the night uh, talks, the, the, the man speaking said, uh, I just feel, I'm, I'm sensing that there's someone here that has an eye condition and God wants to heal that. I'm, I'm getting that, that word for you. I don't know who it is, you know, but, you know, if you would like to come forward. So they were playing some music and people were coming forward for prayer. And we finished up and then he walks onto the platform with this man. Well, this man, you know, this man looked like this was his first rodeo, okay? I mean, this was not a man who had marched up for healing a whole bunch of times in his life. This was new for this guy. And, um, and he shares with us, that the gentleman says, you know, do you mind telling the folks what happened? And he said, you know, sure. So he leads in with going, I'm a Methodist. <laughs> so this is kind of new for me. And here's the crazy thing. You know, you think about Alpha, and, and, and those of you that have been through Alpha um, will know, and some of you that haven't, uh, we'd love for you to, to, do, to pick up the next one. At the Alpha conference, there's mostly Methodists, Presbyterians, Catholics, you know, Episcopalian. I mean, it's, it's not, you know, your typical just a bunch of non-denominational churches kind of thing. I mean, there's a lot, mostly mainline churches. The, the denomination, the group in the United States that runs the most alpha courses in the U.S. are the Methodists. Um, and, and I love our Methodist brothers and sisters. I will just admit that wouldn't have been what I expected. I mean, I, that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, that wouldn't have been my first guess, you know, for the alpha course. But there, are, there were tons of, of folks there. And I think part of it is there's just so many, so many revivals happening in all of these denominations and churches in certain little spots that they want, they want more. It's like we, we want more. There's got to be more out there, you know. Um, and a lot of that was the heart of planting renovation. There, there's, there's more. There's got to be more, you know. And 
So he goes, you know, I'm Methodist. This doesn't really happen. He said, but I have struggled with, with this unbelievable twitch in the inner part of my eye for months. And it is about to drive me nuts. He said, I, I, I almost didn't even come this weekend because I, I just couldn't, you know, I just couldn't even hardly focus. He said, and when, and when you said that, my wife gets, gives me that nudge in the ribs, you know, that, that's you. And he's like, I figured I better go up here. Better go up there. And he said, when Jamie prayed for me, all of a sudden the twitching, it was like it, something just washed over me and the twitching just gone. And the last thing he said, I thought, I thought was really cool. The last thing he said before he walked off, he said, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> it was almost like he couldn't believe it himself. You know? And so how do you balance this idea? I mean, you know, think about it, guys. My aunt had cancer for years. And she died. This gentleman has a twitching eye. I'm not, I'm not minimizing that. But, but twitching eye and cancer are kind of in two different leagues, right? And you think, you heal a guy with a twitching eyeball, but you didn't heal my aunt that was dying of cancer? Like, I, I can't, I have a hard time reconciling that. Until I begin to think about the kingdom of God. Un until I begin to understand how the kingdom of God operates. And one thing, you know, you look at John chapter 5, and you can turn there if you want. You don't have to. I'll read it to you. But you look at John chapter 5. It says, it says this in verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda. In these uh, lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going uh, in, another steps down before me. I think it's interesting that Jesus is at a place where just sick people, just on their last, you know, just sort of last-ditch hope and effort, are all around this place. And Jesus asks the most obvious no duh question you could possibly ask. Do you want to be healed? Uh, yes. And it's, it's sort of those two level conversations that Jesus will have. You know, he's, he'll say something and he's, he's talking about, do you want to be healed? Do you want me to heal you? Do you believe I can heal you? And the man responds with the practical answer of, well, you know, I just try to get in the pool and you know, the people that can walk get in front of me because I can't. I'm trying to drag myself in there. And it's, it's those beautiful moments that I always envision Jesus not, not condemning, but like a loving father kind of chuckling at their kid when they just don't quite understand what's going on. Not, not in a condemning way, not looking down on them, but just kind of like, yeah, you, th you think that pool is going to be the answer. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked.
Do we read over these things sometimes and go, and he took up his bed and walked. And then it's like, dear God, thank you for this day. And, um, you know, thanks for, uh, you know, thanks for the sunshine and nothing wrong with thanking God for all those things. But do you see what he just did? And, and the thing about it is there, with Jesus, when you look at the stuff he did, there was no, you know, oh, now, hallowed be thy name. You know, hallelujah. Yes, Lord Jesus, hallelujah. You know, there was none of all this kind of stuff. He said, get up and walk. And he got up and walked. Do you see where we've, as, as the church, we've added to this. All this mumbo jumbo and pushing people on the floor and all this. The enemy has used that to discredit healing. The problem isn't healing. The problem is we've gone away from the stuff. We've gone away from what he actually was doing. It was about trust in him. And he just said, get up and walk. But this brings up a lot of questions, right? I mean, Jesus is in this place where there's sick people everywhere. And if you continue reading, you realize he, he was done then. That was it. There was sick people everywhere. And he goes down there and heals one person. And leaves. Now, I don't really know. There could have been a lot of things going on in that particular story. I didn't think about this in the last service. It kind of hit me in the middle. I, I sometimes believe that, and I just think Jesus is powerful enough that I think if he's healing one person, I think it could almost just be like a ripple effect of his power and just boom. Just like, you know, if you were around, it was your lucky day kind of thing, you know. I don't really know. What I do know is the gospel writer doesn't say that. The gospel writer says he healed that man and he left. Does, am I the only one that thinks that's strange? Or am I the only one that will admit that I think that's strange? So that brings some questions. It's like, why does Jesus go and heal that man and not everyone else? Why does he seem to heal people more in some places than others? Why did he heal this person, but he didn't heal my aunt? Fill in the blank for you, right? And how does God decide to heal some people and not others? And I'm pretty sure that I'm gonna, we're going to finish this service and I'm going to walk out the door and a lot, there's probably a good chance that I'm still going to have some of these questions. Because I, I think somebody told me this quote, if, if God were small enough for all of us to understand him, he wouldn't be big enough for us to worship. But I do think we can begin to get some clarity and some peace on this issue. Here's the thing about God that, that I've experienced. I've experienced with God when I have questions, he doesn't always give me the answer. I don't always get the answer. But you know what I do get? I usually get the gift of peace. I usually get the gift of clarity. And you might go, well, did you get your answer? Not really, but God gave me peace and rest in not knowing. 
the answer. That's as good as, that's as, good as knowing the answer, right? Because the reason you want an answer is because you're unrested, you're unrestful. So God, God does that from, for, from time to time, just gives us that peace instead of giving us the answer. But here's how I think we can begin to get clarity. I think it, it has a lot to do with who is sitting on the throne of the kingdom. If any human is sitting on that throne of the kingdom, then things are out of whack. If we go, well, why didn't my aunt get healed? Here's what I just did, okay? I just took my aunt and I put her on the throne of the kingdom. God, why not? And God's going, I do love your aunt. I do. Very much. But she's not on the throne of this kingdom. And neither are you. When we begin to understand the kingdom and what God is doing, we begin to understand that we are living in between the ushering in of the kingdom of God. When Jesus first came, he ushered in the kingdom. Okay, what, what we're reading about here is, is him ushering in that kingdom. But one day, he's going to consummate the kingdom when he comes back and it's going to be done and the kingdom is going to be here and it's going to be forever and ever and ever. And that'll be a kingdom with no suffering, no sickness, no disease, no pain. So we're living somewhere in between, right? We're living somewhere in between him ushering in the kingdom and him coming again and it all being completed and the kingdom is here, full force. We live somewhere in the middle. And healing in the present, it's one of those ripples of the coming kingdom. The kingdom's not completely here yet. So healing is that sort of one of those ripples that you go, ah, that's what's on its way. That's what's on its way. I don't know if you've ever gotten packages in, in different boxes and you order something and it comes in three or four different boxes and you get one box before you get the rest of them. I don't know if that's ever it's happened to me. I don't know if it ever happened to you. You open that box and you go, well, that's a leg for the table. Don't know where the rest of it is, but I see the leg. That means the rest is coming. <laughs> you hope, right? You think, I hope the rest of it comes. But no, the rest of it's coming. That's, what, that's, that's where we're living. We've got, we're getting some of the small packages along the way that are going, ooh, I'm opening it. Oh, that's a, you know, somebody was healed of, of cancer. We open up that box and go, oh, wow, that's awesome. That shows me what's coming when the big package comes in. That gives me a glimpse of what's to come. When Jesus died on the cross, you see, he, he took our sin, but he purchased a future for us with no disease or suffering. But, but in the present, you see, I said future. In the present, we're still going to deal with, with this sickness and sin and, and disease, right? But, but the future is purchased if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so here's, here's the thing. That, this goes back to the big idea. Seeing people healed is a foreshadowing of the coming ultimate healing. You see, what I had to understand, and I didn't as a kid, but what I understand now 
is we're real sad that my aunt is gone. I, we really are. But let me tell you something about my aunt. My aunt had no interest in church or anything, you know, very minimal interest in a relationship with God until she got cancer. When she got cancer, she entered into a vibrant, beautiful relationship with Christ. And for years as she battled through cancer, she, she loved him. I mean, there was, there was, it wasn't a thing like, I'm going to serve you so you'll heal me of cancer. She found, she was introduced to Jesus. And so when she left this, this life, she was healed gloriously. Beautifully healed. So that's the ultimate. God gives us these glimpses along the way in order to advance the kingdom. You see, she was healed, but then you've got this other guy that I talked about last weekend who had the eye thing. And listen, listen, just see how this works. It's a week later, and I'm here talking to you about what God did for that man. That's building your faith. That's showing you God at work. You see how the kingdom is just advanced when these things happen. For instance, in Matthew 8, 31, Jesus had done a healing. And it says, they went out and spread the news about him all over the region. All over the region, they, they spread the news about him. Do you see how that one healing caused the kingdom to just be spread throughout the entire region. So what now? Well, here at Renovation, we, we've kind of looked at Scripture and said, you know what, we don't believe that everyone is, is going to be healed. Not everyone, you know, got healed in the Bible. You look at the pool, not everyone was healed. But we do believe some will be healed. And so if we believe that not everyone will be healed, certainly everyone is not healed in this life. It's a blank on your handout. But if we don't ask, then nobody's going to be healed. Right? It's kind of it's like this. When, when the guy who started McDonald's decided he wanted to start a burger place. I want to start a burger place. What if somebody had come up to him and said, you know what, you don't need to start a burger place. Not everybody's going to buy a hamburger from you. Not everybody's going to do it. And he's like, you know what? You're right. Not everyone's going to buy a hamburger from me, so I just won't even bother. I just won't even bother. You would say to him, that's completely illogical, right? I mean, that, that's an irrational way of thinking. It, it goes along the same lines with doctors. Do doctors have a 100% success rate? No. We put a lot of trust in our doctors, don't we? They give us things to put in our bodies. You know, they, they treat us. They tell us things. Sometimes they're right. Thankfully, hopefully, a lot of times. Sometimes they're not. People die under the care of doctors. Right? But it, you would say it's irrational to stop going to the doctor. It's kind of like sharing your faith as well. You might... Say, well, you know, I, I do believe that we should share the love of Jesus Christ. We should go out and we should share with people. But somebody might say to you, well, everybody's not going to believe you. 
Everybody's not going to have a relationship with Christ. Not everyone is going to respond the way you want them to. And you just decide, well, since everybody's not going to believe it, I just won't share. If we don't do it with those things, why do we do it with healing? Why, why do we say, well, not everyone's going to be healed, so let's just, as an old pastor used to say to me, let's just throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Let's just throw it all out. We got to get rid of the bathwater, so throw the baby out too. Well, no, healing is valid. Not everyone's going to get healed, but we're still going to ask. Now, I want to give you some... Uh, oh, there's one more point. Do, don't wait to do the stuff until you think you have it all figured out. If you wait till you think you have it all figured out, you'll never do the stuff. It's kind of like getting married. Until you, if you wait until you're completely ready to get married and completely financially set and everything's hunky-dory and, and beautiful and you're ready to get married you're never going to get married. Okay? Same, same idea. So how do we start? I'm going to blaze through these real quick. This is, this is kind of practical stuff. Like, like how do we actually begin to do this? Because it's one thing to sit at home and say, God, please heal somebody. And we need to do that. It's another thing, though, to go, you know, we're going to take the time to put our hands on someone and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit in this moment, in real time, to heal them. That's, that's different, right? I mean, that, that's like, you're like, I don't mind being in my bedroom and praying and all that, but don't put me on the spot. What if it doesn't happen? So here's how we're going to do it. Here's how, here's how we, here's the kind of the recipe that we've adopted here at Renovation. Number one, know that your job is to pray. And it, by the way, I'm going to blaze through these. You probably won't be able to get them all down. If you want them afterwards, they're here. So you can come up and write them down. Um, number one, know that your job is to pray. It is God who does the healing. Okay? The, the idea is we do what we can do, and then God does what only he can do. Well, all we can do is, is be available and, and pray. And he does the rest. He does the actual healing. Number two, we need to check our motives. We need to make sure that our motives are out of love for people and, and for God's glory that, that, and for kingdom kingdom building. That's, that's what the motive should be. Number three, prayers for healing should be simple. Now, we have this thing that I like to call Christianese. It's a new language that we've come up with. There's a lot of hallelujahs and uh, blessed to be, what's, what's the thing I see now? Too blessed to be stressed and, you know, I'm, I'm just full, so full of God and all, I mean, you know, all these languages that we speak as Christians. What is that, guys? Come on, that's not in the Bible. I mean, let, let's drop that junk. If we're going to start really ministering to people that are, are not in the club, so to speak, then let's quit speaking a language they don't understand. Okay? When, you, when somebody says to you, oh, I'm just so blessed or I'm so full of God or I'm so this or that, it always puts me on the defensive. I almost think, well, maybe I should, maybe I should say I'm full of God t- too. I, I well, I'm, I'm blessed too. I mean, I, uh, I'm, I'm as blessed as you are, you know? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, we, we don't, you don't need to wear your Christianity with your mouth and, and, and all over you. Just, just be a normal person that wants to do the stuff instead of talking about the stuff, <laughs> right? So when we're praying for healing, we don't want to get into all this mumbo jumbo, you know, all this, oh, God of Jacob, Jehovah Jireh, Rapha, we just 
pray to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You know, it's like, shut up, you know. Just pray for the person to be healed. Holy Spirit, come. Please heal this person. I'm counting on your power to heal this person. Please come and do it. That's, that's kind of it. That's all we need. We don't need all the extra stuff. Number four, ask what, how long, and why. Make sure you ask them. You know, what are you dealing with? What's the issue? How long have you had this problem? You know, was there something that caused it? Get to know the issue. Number five, pray that God would heal in the name of Jesus. Certainly, we want to say it is in the name of Jesus that, the, that, this, that we ask this, that we proclaim that healing will come because it's only by his name that it'll come. Um, number six, place our hands on the person's shoulder when you pray. I just think that goes back to the touch thing. I think there's something about that physical touch. I just say always ask first. Just always ask, is it okay if, if I put my hand on your shoulder? Uh, sometimes I might put my hand on their forehead if I'm praying with them. Um, you know, just make sure you ask. And then ask, number seven, ask that the Holy Spirit would heal the person. You're just asking the Holy Spirit to come. Number eight, continue to be open to more guidance from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when you're praying with somebody, God might kind of drop something into your heart that you want to say, you know, like maybe it's an image or a, an impression or something, you know, that might happen. Um, don't, don't be afraid to share that. Don't be afraid to wait. I think sometimes we just want to pray like, God, please heal this person in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great day. I hope you enjoy your lunch and you're gone. I think it's okay to ask the Holy Spirit to come and then just wait. Just, just wait and see what happens. You don't have to rush through it. Number 10, ask the person how they feel. You know, is, is, are you experiencing anything? Is anything going on? And then number 11, make sure that they're happy and that they understand all that has happened. So, so when they leave, make sure that they feel good about what happened, not stressed or under distress. If that's the case, continue to pray. Just pray that God will give them that peace. And then number 12, we should not give up if nothing seems to happen. There was an occurrence in Mark 8, 24, where Jesus was, was healing a man, and he asked the man, can you see? And the man said, I see people, but they kind of look like trees. <laughs> so Jesus went back and laid his hands on him, and then the man's like, oh, okay, got it now, yeah, okay? So if Jesus had to do it, we, we probably will from time to time as well. Uh, in conclusion, guys, let's do the stuff. I mean, I, I want to ask you, here's the challenge, here's the next step. I want you to think about who God might be prompting you to pray for this week. Maybe there's somebody, maybe it's a friend or a coworker or a family member. Um, I can tell you that I, I really felt ashamed that, you know, my mom's been dealing with some uh, issues with her hip. And for some reason, I just hadn't even thought, I just hadn't even thought about like, I need to go to mom and pray for the Holy Spirit to heal her. I just, I just, I don't know why. I just didn't even, you know, I prayed for her, but I haven't really gone to her and prayed with her for that to happen. So that's what I'm going to do um, when I have the opportunity to do that, uh, I believe, next weekend. So I, that's, that's my plan. But, but who would be receptive to that? Maybe it's even somebody who doesn't go to church or maybe doesn't have a relationship with Christ. M maybe they would let you do that. And don't make them a promise about something that's going to happen. Just say, I'm learning a little bit about how God heals. And I'd just love it if you would maybe allow me to pray with you for that. You know, and, and give it, as they say in Alpha, give it a go, all right? As you come to the table this morning, uh, we're going to have some ministry folks in different parts of the room, okay? 
And if you have uh, a pain in your body, if you have an emotional or spiritual thing that you're struggling with, and you would be bold enough to allow someone to pray for you, uh, would you do that at this time and allow them to do that? You see, Jesus, he accomplished so much at the cross, and this table represents so much. I mean, he, he... he broke the bread and, and said, this is my body. And he purchased our healing. Whether, whether that be the healing, uh, ultimate healing, certainly. But he even purchased the opportunity for present healing on the cross. When he poured out the wine, he said, this is my blood that, that is going to be spilled for the forgiveness of your sins. He was saying, I'm going to pay this price with my own blood. I'm going to purchase your healing with my own blood. Now that can be physical healing today. Sure, absolutely. And certainly it is the final healing. I would call on any of you that have never given your lives to Christ. This would be a beautiful moment to do that. This would be a great moment to give your lives to him. And then I challenge those of you, it doesn't matter how small it is. God healed a guy last weekend who had a twitch in his eye. Okay? Give him the opportunity. Give one of these ministry folks the opportunity to see something amazing today. God communion servers if they don't mind coming at this time. Take as much time as you need and come.